Welcome to the Old Time Radio Superman Show. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, adam at adamsweb.us, and be sure and rate the show on iTunes. If you love superhero stories, I encourage you to pick up Powerhouse's Heroic Adventures Bundle. It collects my first three superhero comedy novels, Tales of the Dim Night, Fly Another Day, and Powerhouse Hard Pressed, all in one simple ebook audiobook bundle. You can get it wherever ebooks are sold or through audible.com or the iTunes store. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Superman, the original air date, March the 7th, 1949. And this is The Mystery of the Flying Monster. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, transcribed, Superman finds himself matched against a monstrous adversary of steel and fire, while the life of a friend hangs in the balance. Hello? Hello. Is this the Daily Planet? Advertising department, please. I want to place an advertisement in the personals column. Wanted. A young man to assist in a scientific experiment. Must be intelligent, trustworthy, and absolutely fearless. The pay is small, but the opportunity for adventure is unlimited. Apply to Professor Joshua Fields, Highland Road. Yes, yes, that's right. Absolutely fearless. <laughs> the Mystery of the Flying Monster, a thrilling Superman adventure story complete in one episode, will continue in just a moment. It's new, it's different, it's what you've been waiting for. It's the all-new Make-A-Card Kit, the set that contains enough material for you to manufacture and create your own greeting cards. Six beautifully designed cards that you'll be proud to send to a friend or relative. Six beautiful cards that are personalized and that enable you to actually make money. Well, this sounds too good to be true, doesn't it, fellas and girls? Just think of the fun you'll have with your own greeting card company. The Make-A-Card Kit only costs you 25 cents. Only 25 cents complete and delivered to your door. There are no postal or handling charges to pay. And if you sell these cards after you complete them, you can make 90 cents. Each card can sell for at least 15 cents. The set contains six cards. Two for birthday, two for Easter, and a Mother's and Father's Day card. You also get a box of crayons and a sheet of gold metallic paper and a sheet of silver metallic paper. That's not all, fellas and girls. The set also contains six make-your-own-envelopes. You mail the cards you have manufactured in your own envelopes. Think of it. The set only costs you 25 cents. And the materials it contains will last you a long time after you've completed the cards. Yes, sir. You'll want to get in on this fun and profit idea. I'll be back in a few moments to tell you how you can get this Make-A-Card kit, so be sure and keep listening. (laughs) 
now, back to the adventures of Superman and the mystery of the flying monster. Someone once said, history is just a batch of old newspapers. Here in the building where the Metropolis Daily Planet, one of the country's leading newspapers, is published, history is being recorded as it happens. The clatter of the teletype seldom pauses. The phones never stop ringing. The presses roll night and day. As our story begins, the noon edition of the Daily Planet is still fresh with ink. But seated at the desk in her office, ace newspaper woman Lois Lane is already at work on another story. An announcement from the district attorney that the time late is... Miss Lane, I'll be back in time for the... What's that, Jim? What'd you say? If the chief wants me, would you... You have to close the door, Jim. I can't hear you. I'm sorry, Jim. Now, what were you saying? Well, if Mr. White wants me, will you please tell him I'll be back in time for the deadline? Why? Isn't the chief in his office, Jim? Well, yeah, but I'm just going out on a story. Well, if you are, doesn't the chief know it? Well, frankly, frankly, he doesn't. You see, it's not, well, it's not exactly an assignment. Mm-hmm, I see. What is it, then? Well, it's a story. At least I think there's a story in it. I thought it up for myself. Is it a good one, Might Jim? even be a peach. Then why don't you tell Mr. White about it and get him to assign it to you? Why all the mystery? Well, in the first place, he may not agree with me. And in the second place? In the second place, if he does, which I don't think he will, he'll probably give it to Mr. Kent or you. And you want it for yourself, huh, Jim? Well, wouldn't care to tell me about it, would you? Okay, looks like I got to. It's something I saw in the noon edition. It says... Oh, wait, I'll read it to you. You got a copy? Yeah, right here. Oh, thanks. It's here in the personals. A very interesting ad. Now, let's see. Oh, here it is. Wanted. A young man to assist in a scientific experiment. Must be intelligent, trustworthy, and absolutely fearless. The pay is small, but the opportunity for adventure is unlimited. Apply to Professor Joshua Fields, Highland Road. That's it. What do you think? Oh, I think it's either silly or dangerous or both. Well, I think it's got the earmarks of a good story, and I'm going. Now, will you tell the chief I'll be back in time for deadline? Will you please, Miss Lane? He won't like it, Jim. Oh, I'm sure of that. So long. Oh, well. Now, where was I? Let me see. Yes, announcement from the district attorney that the crime rate is similar to last year's, but that further improvement and... Lois, Lois, where's Jim? Have you seen Jim Olson? Uh, Yes, Chief, I have. Uh, Did you say yes, Lois? Yes, I did. He was in here just a minute. Oh, he was, was he? Well, where'd he go? He asked me to tell you that he'd be back before deadline. What? He'll be back at the office before deadline. He told you to tell me that? Oh, yes, Chief. Who does that young scamp think he is? Well, uh, oh, did he say where he was going? Now, uh, where'd he go, Lois? Uh, do you know? Well, you see, I'll... Uh, speak up, Lois, speak up. Do you or don't you know? As a matter of fact, I do, Chief. He's got himself a story. He thought it up all by himself. Great, Caesar, who's running this paper? But don't uh, yell at me, Chief. I'm only telling you what he told me to tell you. Here, it's oh. in the last edition. The page is still turned to it. It's in the personals column. It's an ad about a fearless young man. Have you got it? It's something about a scientific adventure or something. Have you got it? With a professor? I told him I thought it was foolish. Might be a story in it at that. Uh, you really think so, Chief? Uh, if there is, he has no right going off on his own. This is the last straw. He, he, he's fired. Meanwhile, Jim Olson, pursuing his story, draws close to the suburban address of Highland Road given in the advertisement. A hill stretches before him. At its top, far from any neighbor, stands a massive, lonely house with ancient trees that hold its walls in shadow. Tall hedges surrounded from the iron gate that bars unwelcome entrance. 
to a huge stone tower at the rear. Inside that tower is an enormous circular chamber whose barren walls arch high overhead to form a dome like the inside of half a sphere. In the center of its stone floor, shrouded with canvas, is a mighty machine, the creation of Professor Joshua Fields. Its form is hidden, though it reaches almost to the vaulted ceiling. And at floor level, a canvas flap turned aside reveals an open black metal door into the machine itself. There are lights inside, and a man, a tall, thin man with iron-gray hair and eyes sunken in a bony face. Dark eyes that dance as his slender fingers play with a panel of switches and levers. Suddenly, a heavy door opens into the domed chamber, and a second man, small and very slight, walks quickly over to the machine. His little wizened face seems drawn with anger as he calls... Hey, Professor! Professor Fields! Yes? Who is it? It's me, Maxie! Shut this crazy thing off, will you? Oh, so you've come back, Maxie. Yeah, and I'll give you one guess why. Come on out. Yes, well, make it fast, Maxie. I've got to finish checking everything. I don't care what you do after I get out of here, but first I want what's coming to me. Maxie, I've tried to explain. I haven't the money to... Oh, no? Listen, Professor, I seen your ad in today's paper. You got money to hire somebody new. How come you can't pay me? Now, Maxie, when you volunteered to be my assistant... I thought it was a real job. And after what happened yesterday... Purely an accident. And what happened three days ago? You almost blew up the joint. Flame shooting out all over like a furnace. I thought I'd never come out alive. But you did, you see. Yeah, and I mean to stay like that. The next guy in this job can look out for himself. I'm getting out for good, but not without my money. Maxie, I've told you this before. I had only a certain sum put aside for this invention... Part of it was to pay for an assistant. In other words, for your services. But now that you've decided not to go through with it... I've been hanging around here for two weeks. Don't that add up to nothing? The job was for an assistant during an actual experiment. I admit the machine has suffered some damage during my tests, but now that it's ready, you'll quit. I wish I could pay you for your time, but frankly, if I do, I can't hire anyone in your place. Here, let me show you this. It's part of my control panel. As you see, it's small enough to hold in the palm of my hand. I call it a gravity activator. I don't suppose that means much to you. Not that in this bug house means anything to me. Just the same, this little object made up of countless tiny jewels and almost a pound of rare metal. Maxie, this costs a fortune. And if you had one ounce of scientific spirit... Oh, give me that. Excuse me, Maxie, that's the house phone, you know. Yes? Thank you, Mrs. Foley. Please send him up. So you got another sucker already, huh? Some fool you think you'll get inside that machine. I'm going too, am I not? If you want to get killed, that's your business. But you got no right to kill anyone else. Now, Maxie, you're all excited. You compose yourself while I see this young man. Then we'll talk the whole matter out. Talk? I'm sick of talking. Well, waiting here already. That was fast, young man. Uh, yes, sir. Are you Professor Fields, sir? I am indeed. And your name, may I ask? Uh, Jim Olson, sir. I came about your ad in the plan. Yes. What did you think of it? Oh, I liked it very much, sir. Good, good. Now, uh, Jimmy, this gentleman coming towards us is Mr. Don't Max. bother introducing me, Professor. I told you I wasn't hanging around. You mustn't mind him, young man. Max, he's very high strung. Much too nervous for scientific work. Well, come in, come in. Let's have a little chat, shall we? I see that my machine interests you, Jim. Yeah. It's hard to tell what it is under the canvas. Could be a cannon or a telescope. Well, it's neither, but strangely enough, there is something of both in it. Uh, here, let's come around to this side. I've got it open, you see. Take a look in. 
How does that control panel strike you? Impressive, isn't it? Oh, I'll say. All those lights and dials and switches and things. But what's it all about? Your ad said something about adventure. Are you eager for adventure? And being absolutely fearless. Are you absolutely fearless? Well, I suppose... Because if you aren't, there's really no point in further discussion. Oh, no, no. I'm fearless, Professor. Absolutely fearless. And very eager for adventure. Good, good. It's a simple job, really. You see, I need someone to handle a few switches. I'll show you. Just step inside. I'll follow you. See those switches up there at the top of this narrow ladder? You suppose you could climb up? Oh, sure. Why not? Good. You go up and I'll tell you what to do. Okay. Here goes. Now I'll shut this outside door. The metal door to the machine clangs shut on Jim Olsen and Professor Fields. A hum begins to fill the chamber. It grows louder and louder until the machine, shuddering with power, shakes the stone tower to its foundation. Suddenly, fire and smoke fill the domed chamber. The canvas shroud falls away from the machine, and a flaming, raging inferno blots out everything. on the teletype soon after. Attention, special announcement. Enormous explosion rocked the suburban Highland Road section as Professor Joshua Fields' home blew up. Are you going to be one of the first in your neighborhood to send for the all-new Make-A-Card kit? The set that enables you to make your own greeting cards? You'll be smart if you get on this amazing offer right away. We have only a limited supply of these kits, and we don't want to disappoint any of you. All you have to do to get your six different type greeting cards, with the box of crayons, the metallic paper, and the six make-your-own-envelopes, is to send 25 cents to make a card, box 1319, New York 17, New York. That's 25 cents to make a card, box 1319, New York 17, New York. We'll rush your kit right out to you. We pay postage. You'll have to hurry, though. We only have a limited supply of these amazing kits, and we don't want to disappoint any of you. So send in for your set today. I'll repeat that address for you. Send 25 cents to make a card, Box 1319, New York 17, New York. Don't delay. Send for your kit today. the terrible explosion at Professor Field's laboratory went out over the Daily Planet's teletypes and left a wake of sickening horror and grief for all who knew Jim. And for Lois Lane and editor Perry White, it was worst of all. Now in the chief's office, they sit staring into space. If, if only Jim had been delayed... If he hadn't gotten there before it happened. Yes, Lois, but he did get there. Now, we know that. The police found several people who either gave him directions or saw him on the way up the hill to the laboratory. Now, remember, Lois, he was a good newspaper man. He was out getting a story. Yes? Mr. White, there's a man here. Didn't I tell you not to disturb me, Miss Backrack? Yes, Mr. White, That's but enough. I... Have you located Clark Kent yet? No, Mr. White, he hasn't come. Oh, just a minute, I think... Yeah, here he comes now. Well, send him right in. Okay, but about that man waiting... 
Oh, hello, Ken. Oh, poor Jimmy. I just heard about it downstairs. I knew about the explosion, but I never dreamed Jim was anywhere near it. How come he was there? Uh, there, there I don't You'd better lie down and rest. Now, you come with me. Uh, Ken, I'll be back in a minute. All right, Chief. Mr. White's office. Is that you, Mr. Ken? Yes, Chief's out for a moment. Any message? There's a man here waiting an hour to see Mr. White. He well, says if nobody's interested in the inside story of the big explosion, he'll go to somebody... What's that? The inside story on the explosion? That's what he says, Mr. Ken, but he's leaving. No, no, tell him not to. Send him in, Miss Backrack. Send him in. A few moments later, a small, slight man steps into Perry White's office, looking about him with the suspicious, darting eyes of a sparrow. Clark Kent searches the little man's sallow mask of a face. Then, suddenly, the gift of X-ray vision that is his as Superman makes out a strange object in the little man's coat pocket that instantly alerts his attention. Uh, come in and sit down, won't you? Are you the editor? No, but he'll be right back. Perhaps I can be of assistance. Nah, not if you ain't the editor. Oh, wait. Today, little Maxie talks only to the man in charge. This is a big day for little Maxie. Well, if you've got a story, I'll... I get it. Now, who's this guy? Is he the editor? Yes, Chief, this yes, is... Yes, yes, I know, Kent. I know. Uh, Miss Backrack told me. Uh, you have the story on the explosion. Is that right? Right. Okay, let's have it. For how much? Well, that will have to wait until... Don't we... talk whites, only numbers. How much? Five hundred, if we use it. A grand. You'll use it, all right. It's a deal. I'll talk. Well, sure. I was working for Professor Fields for two weeks, until yesterday. Yesterday, I quit. But I come back to see the professor on a personal matter today. I seen a new assistant he got in my place. A young fellow named Jim Olson? Yeah, the kid that got blown up with the professor. I tried to warn him, but he wouldn't listen to me. Warn him about what? Did you know there was going to be an explosion? What do you think I quit for? There was other explosions yesterday, three days ago, but nothing like the big whammo today. I told him he'd kill himself if he kept on with that crazy machine of his. What machine? The one he's working on. That's what blew up. What sort of a machine? What did it look like? He had it all covered up with canvas. For all I know, it could have been a smokestack under there. That's what it looked like. A smokestack about 40 foot high. Only the inside was full of wheels and gadgets and all junk like that there. But what was it meant to do? Who knows? Oh, anyways, after I left, as I'm on my way down the hill, I hear this humming come out of the tower. All of a sudden, boom, like thunder. The next thing, smoke's pouring out of the joint. Flames, boom. Knock me up my feet. Did anything fall in the vicinity? Perhaps you uh, picked up a chunk of metal or something like that. No. All we want to do is photograph it. Photograph what? I told you... We'll I pay could... you an extra 500 for a picture. No, just a minute, Ken. What do you I say, Maxie? Make... Is it a deal? What does he say? Back me up, Chief. Take my word for it. All right. Well, now, come to think of it, I did pick up something. Fell in the road, just like you said. I got it right here in my pocket. I figure I'd keep it for a souvenir. Let's see it, Maxie. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. From his coat pocket, Maxie brings out a gleaming, glittering object and hands it to Kent. An object made up of countless tiny jewels and rare metal. The object that Kent had seen with his X-ray vision when the little man first entered Mr. White's office. Where did you get it, Maxie? I told you, it dropped out of the sky. You're lying, Maxie. This delicate little thing would shatter to bits if it so much as fell from my hand to the floor. You must have gotten this from the laboratory before the explosion. It was part of the machine itself, wasn't it, Maxie? So what? You stole it, didn't you? Nah, the professor, give it to me. It's worth thousands, Maxie. You think a jury will believe that? What do you want? What are you after? You know what this was used for. What did the professor call it? Think, Maxie. Think hard. What did he call it? Ah, uh, something, uh, something about gravity. Uh, gravity activator. Scott, a gravity activator. Was that it? Yeah, yeah. Ken, what are you so excited about? This tells us what kind of a machine the professor was experimenting with. A rocket ship. What? 
Only a rocket ship needs a gravity activator. Well, what is it? It's an artificial force to take the place of natural gravity once the ship is far enough out in space to be free of the Earth's influence. Then the professor and Jim... Yes, Chief, they can still be alive. That was no ordinary explosion in the tower. It was a rocket ship taking off. And right at this very moment, the professor and Jim Olsen are in that ship somewhere in space, being tossed about like dice in a cup. All because little Maxie stole an instrument as precious as life. No, 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 no. Maxie, that's murder. Kent, Kent, he's getting away. After him. I'll get him. Kent, Kent, look out the door. Oh, oh, oh. Kent. Kent, are you all right? Yeah. My head, I... Here, yes, here. I... here, let me help you. Oh, let no, me help you no, no, never mind, Chief. Go after Maxie. Catch him. Yes, oh. yes, yes. You, you wait here for me. I never thought I'd have to resort to pulling a phony collision with a door, but I had to get rid of the chief somehow. I hope I gave Maxie a good enough start. This is a job for Superman. And out of these clothes. There we are. Now to open the window and get out to the laboratory. Up, up, and away! Speeding across Metropolis, it takes Superman but a moment to soar unseen past the police lines to the professor's laboratory tower. It stands intact, except for the missing roof. And as he drops to the tower, a quick glance confirms his theory. Just as I thought. It's the sort of roof they have on astronomical observatories. Divides in the middle and slides out of the way. Now to judge the angle of elevation the rocket ship took. Careful. Slightest mistake may throw me off course for thousands of miles. I need every reserve of strength I have for this... See, 110 degrees. Make it 110.2, okay? Now to find them. Up, up, and away! With a mighty surge, Superman hurls himself into the sky. Up, up! The city of Metropolis recedes with incredible swiftness until it is a vanishing pinpoint far below. The sun grows brighter, but the Earth's blanket of atmosphere has thinned, and the cold of outer space tears at Superman's sinews. Higher! Higher! Where are they? Now the Earth has shrunk into a dark, misty green ball, visible only occasionally through layers of clouds, spinning on through space, distant and removed and unaware of the mighty drama taking place in the frozen regions of the void. I must have misjudged. I've lost them. Then suddenly a speck far off. Wait a minute. That's it. Yes, yes. But it's heading toward me. It's off course. Out of control. Uh Uh-oh, now it's turning off. After it. Now closer. No, it's turning again. Going away. Faster, faster. What's this? It's coming back. Got to grab it somehow. Someplace. Here it comes. Now! The rocket ship strikes the man of steel a glancing blow, but its terrific force sends him hurtling through space, while the ship itself, twisting and darting, carries the professor and Jimmy on a flight that can only end in destruction. We'll be back in a moment for the conclusion to the mystery of the flying monster. So keep listening. In the opening of today's program, fellas and girls, I told you about the new Maker Card kit, which contains enough materials to create and manufacture six of your own greeting cards. Now, I'd like to tell you a little more about this all-new Maker Card set. 
The set includes six beautifully designed cards which you actually make yourself. Two Easter cards, two birthday cards, and a Mother's and Father's Day card. That's not all, fellas and girls. You get six make-your-own envelopes so that when you've completed the cards, you have enough of the right-sized envelopes to mail them in. The kit also has a box of the finest crayons, every color you can think of. You also receive a sheet of gold metallic paper and a sheet of silver metallic paper. If you can't think of a rhyme, well, let us say it for you. We have included many different greetings in the kit. Well, that's it, fellas and girls. Your very own greeting card company, wrapped up and delivered to your door for only 25 cents. All you have to do is send in your quarter, 25 cents, to make a card, Box 1319, New York 17, New York. That's 25 cents to make a card, Box 1319, New York 17, New York. There's no postage to pay. We pay that. You'll have to hurry because we have only a limited supply and we don't want to disappoint any of you. You'll want to start manufacturing your own cards right away, so send your quarter to make a card, Box 1319, New York 17, New York. And now, back to the thrilling climax of the mystery of the flying monster. Far above the earth in the frozen reaches of outer space, Superman finds himself locked in mortal combat with an experimental rocket ship that has gone out of control. As it rages insanely through the sky, turning and dodging erratically, it steers a course directly at Superman. Then at the last instant it veers, striking him with crushing impact and flashing past the Man of Steel to continue its mad gyrations. Recovering from the blow, Superman hovers for a few moments, watching the ship, planning his next move. Then, as it spins wildly toward him again, he moves to meet the flaming monster. Better not try to meet it head on this time. Not if I want to save Jim and the professor, if they're still alive. Here it comes again. Cut to stay level with it. Like this. Faster! Now, both of them moving at blinding speed, Superman matches every twist and turn of the rocket ship. Drawing closer, closer, until he makes contact with the sleek metal hull. Then lets himself slide to the tail fins. He straddles two of the fins with his outspread legs as he lies against the hull, riding the rocket ship like a swimmer on a surfboard. Then, once Superman's great strength is released from the task of keeping up with the ship, he is able to control it. <sighs> oh, Betsy, easy now. That's right. Down we go. Down to Metropolis. Friends, I want to thank you for your faith in me. You all saw how easily my ship settled back into its place in the tower. Of course, it was a rough ride at times, even though we were strapped in. But it never would have been if one of my instruments hadn't been stolen. By the way, you'll all be glad to know the gravity activator has been recovered. And the way my rocket ship went back home, like a homing pigeon... It only goes to prove that it was built right. <laughs> if you'll excuse me oh, now. Oh. What's the matter, Clark? Don't you feel well? Listen to him, Lois. Will you like a homing pigeon? Rah. Oh, now, go on. You're just jealous of Jim's wonderful story. Me? Jealous? Why should well, I be it jealous? it was a wonderful story. Well, sure it was. I'm mighty proud of that young man. Oh, you are, Chief? I thought you fired Jim. Uh-huh. Me? Fired Jim? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Forget it. Uh, Kent. Uh, how are you feeling? Huh? 
Oh, Lois, you should have seen the crack on the head he got. Oh, I'm fine now, thanks. When I came back with Maxie, I couldn't find you. Uh, where'd you go, Ken? Oh, uh, well, when I came to, I uh, wandered out of the office. I guess I wasn't myself. Oh, I think you were, Mr. Kent. What do you mean by that, Miss Lane? Listen, Mr. Kent. On at least one occasion, I've had a suspicion that you might be Superman. Huh? And now I have a few words to add to that. Yes? What? My sincerest apologies to Superman. <laughs> And so ends the mystery of the flying monster. Another transcribed Superman adventure story in the new half-hour series. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and brings you radio's most exciting stories of action, adventure, and mystery. Each story complete. So be sure to listen when you hear the familiar cry... Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! The Adventures of Superman comes to you at this same time, same station, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Remember... Three different stories every week, each one complete. Be sure to listen again Friday, same time, for another great story on The Adventures of Superman. Welcome back. Now, this is what I would really hope for in a self-contained Superman episode. This is just a really well-done story. The first half to maybe two-thirds is a bit of a mystery as to what the professor's up to and what ends up happening to uh, Jimmy Olsen. And then we get a lot of exciting mid-air daring do from the Man of Steel. And we're dealing with something that really feels like a job for Superman. Even though Superman frequently says this is a job for him, many of his jobs could just as easily be done by the Green Hornet or even a half-decent private detective. Here, though, we're given an epic uh, scene where he's having to use his superpowers and just finesse them in the right way. It's a thrill-packed half hour and just a lot of fun to listen to. In terms of other reviews, he liked the character of Maxi, who wasn't a villain, but had some complex motivations that you could sympathize with, even being concerned about what the professor was going to do, even though his actions inadvertently led to people having their lives put at risk. He also thought that 
Bud Collier really shined as both Clark Kent and Superman, and I think that's uh, really true for the most part. Uh, Andrea listened to it. Her only thought was on Lois's uh, quip at the end, and she thought that uh, Lois's thought that Superman couldn't be a klutz kind of contrast with the modern uh, version that many writers have had that Superman ends up klutzy because he's trying to control his powers and not overdo things. And while I think there's a point to that characterization, it's not something that Lois, as written in the 1940s, would necessarily pick up on. All right, well, that was a great episode. Join us back here next week for another episode of Superman. If you do have a comment, send it to me, adam at adamsweb.us. Be sure and rate the show on iTunes and pick up your copy of Powerhouse's Heroic Adventures Bundle. In the meantime, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.